Welcome back, everybody. Before we get into the first episode of the year of season two, we want to remind you guys that we have Instagram, we have Patreon, we have Twitter. And most importantly, we have our hotline. Typically, we tell you a story, but we want you to tell us a story. So text us or call us at our hotline and enjoy the first episode of season two. Yeah. Let's go. Welcome back, Forward Explorers. I, of course, am the Colonel. This is my son, Caleb. Uh, we together make the Acid Cat Spirit Hour. Well, us and an interesting story all together make an Acid Cat Spirit Hour. Uh, we've been gone for a few weeks. We apologize for that. We hope you had a happy new year. We're back. Back to our weekly schedule. We'll be up every Friday. If you're looking for us, this is where you'll find it, wherever you found this. If it was on the ground, you should probably put it back. Somebody wants it. Unless it was face side down, then you're supposed to flip it up and leave <laughs> it there for the next person. Lucky penny. Uh, we... Haven't been at work for a couple of weeks, so the ghost report's a little different. Uh, Caleb, do you have anything? Um, we did return about a week ago to work, and she came back in full force. The lady with the long hair came back in full force. She was very eager to see me. The lights started changing again, which kind of died down before we took a break. So that was cool to see the lights start changing again. And the first day that I came back, she was in my peripheral vision for nine hours straight. <laughs> like, anytime my head was turned, I could Hi. see her, like, pop from behind the bathroom, pop from behind the kitchen, walking around. We had multiple guests be like, is there someone back there? And we're like, kind of. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, she is back. She missed us. Um, the bald guy, though, haven't seen him in quite a bit, but we rarely saw him anyways. You make, so. it, sound, you make it sound like he's a guy that was like a, like a ghost trying out. You yeah. Know, he's like kind of like a biker gang is like kind of hanging out. And he's like, you know what? This isn't really my scene. I'm going to bail. We, what people don't realize is when you die and you become a ghost, you get like a top five locations that <laughs> meant something to you. It's like selection in med school. And then you get to choose. Yeah, you do a residency. <laughs> then you choose where you want to haunt. And he was like, you know, there's already a ghost here, and she's really vibing with the people here. I kind of feel like a third wheel, so I think I, I think I'm gonna haunt my house. You know, <laughs> you just chose a different destination. Yeah. Well, I wish him very well in his spooky endeavors. Yeah, wherever he may haunt. Yeah. Uh, so at this point, after the ghost report, for those who are unacquainted, we usually do a few headlines. However, we enjoyed doing that so much that we pledged this year we're just going to do an actual news show. Yes. So look for that this weekend. Uh, Caleb's weekend report is being sort of, I don't know, given a facelift. Yes. And, and made into uh, a news we want to kind of cover all of the conspiracies, and when we do this every week, we only get to cover a couple weird stories. We want to dig a little deeper, so look out for that. That means, of course, that this week we're diving straight into the story, just right on in. Uh, today's a fun one. Uh, as we were looking at our year, our end-of-year metrics, we saw that two we had two kind of breakaway stories. Actually, three, and an update in that third story, the Rust shooting. Yes. Uh, for those of you who haven't heard our two podcasts about what happened, and then the second one uh, where we exonerate the armorer, uh, we believe anyhow, mm -hmm. make a strong argument in exoneration for Hannah Gutierrez-Reed. Most of what we have... <laughs> 
said in that episode over the subsequent weeks has come to light in the legal course. And it looks as though pretty much everything we said in that episode is coming to be true now that there's a lawsuit that's been filed against Baldwin for not wanting to be there for the safety trainings, which we pointed out in our episode. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. Uh, but if you guys haven't heard that, do, by all means, go listen to it. It's a, that one's an interesting one, and it's the closest we've been to a case. You know, we're... As we've had to point out before, we're not really a news source. No. We're, we're just we're two comedy guys. first, <laughs> yeah. education second. Yeah. So that guy that was like, oh, you guys don't take this seriously. Comedy first, <laughs> education second. He, uh, in a very roundabout way, understands the point of yeah. the podcast. You guys don't take this seriously. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We read it as an insult. He actually meant it as a compliment. He's like, you guys don't take this seriously. <laughs> Do you? How could you? No, there's no dramatic cues here. There's no spooky music. We're not trying to scare anybody. We do think this stuff is funny. Uh, but what we saw is that uh, the episode about Barry Seal... Uh, one of the most interesting characters in the conspiracy mythos of American history. He worked for the DEA, the CIA. He worked for the Medellin drug cartels. Uh, he flew personally for Escobar. He uh, he was a very interesting character. That was very popular. And also uh, another plane episode, the crash of Joe Laura and Gwen Shamblin is easily our most popular episode. Yeah. Uh, and we figured, well, how could we bring those two subjects together? How could we bring and take out the planes? I don't want yeah. to talk about planes. Remove them both. We don't know that much about planes. Let's get rid of the planes and make a plane story spelled different. <laughs> so we <laughs> took the CIA and the religion, and we went, the religion, and we looked for the largest conspiracy we could find, and that is of the death of Pope John Paul I. Correct. So September 29th, 1978, 33 days into his papacy, the briefest period a pope has ever served, John Paul would die in yes. his sleep, seemingly, uh, to what was it then called a heart attack. But if it was just a heart attack, we wouldn't be wasting an hour talking about it today. <laughs> and you wouldn't be spending an hour at work listening to this. So he died of a heart attack. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs> the, the show's very different this year. It's three minutes long. <laughs> Goodbye. No, so obviously claimed heart attack there was no autopsy there was nothing done to prove that was the case so we're going to get into it today we're going to talk a lot about uh, how he could have died and what might have happened to him but i think before we get into any of that we should discuss who john paul the first was who he really was that's obviously pope's take uh, chosen names who he really was and what kind of person he was and why somebody would want to harm him so, just a little forewarning, uh, neither of us are fluent in Italian because no. Italy's, not, yeah, Italy's not real and Italian's a dead language. Yeah. So, we might butcher some names and we apologize. That's but, all a big, it's a big pizza. Pizza <laughs> hut. Pizza yeah. um, <laughs> So, Pope John Paul I was born Albino Luciani in uh, northern Italy. Is that a medical condition? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, where you're like... Pigmentation doesn't come in all the way. He's got albino uh, pubes. He's Luciani. They're all albino. <laughs> <laughs> so he was born how the doctor would know that when he was born i don't know <laughs> they're very i know his his weirdly large amount of child pubes they're blonde it's a baby's got the pubes and they're albino uh, mama mia um he was born october 17th of 1912 not a news source <laughs> and as we said, died uh, September 29th of 1978. Can't be laughing at that. He was the Pope. He was uh, the first Pope born in the 21st century. Yeah. Uh, or 20th century. My bad. Um, <laughs> Did and... you have to go back in time to learn the term? Took you a while there. He was 
William Shatner's <laughs> great grandfather. Listen, uh, and he was also the last pope to die in the 20th century. That's sad. So it was a weird, like, in the middle there. He's so, the middle child of all the popes. He was just kind of a weird, restless child. Okay. He, no one could really get a hold of him. He was all <laughs> over the place until he was about 10 years old. When I just imagine that he's like, because when you say that, like when I was a child, I was a naked baby, you know, mm-hmm. so like I was naked and unwranglable. And I just imagine that that's how he was until he was 10 years old. The man that would go on to be Pope. Just... I had to break to you. Every child was born naked. Uh, you're not special in that case. <laughs> no, I, but I stayed that way. So he had a capuchin monk come to his small town and teach sermons. And he took a great fascination to it. And he was like, I want to do that. Can I do that? And he asked his dad. He's like, I want to become a priest. Can I become a priest? And his dad said, sure, buddy, as long as you promise me one thing. He's like, when you become a priest, be sure to always side with workers. (laughs) Side with labor. That's what Jesus would have done. He was a carpenter. <laughs> and so he's like, that sounds yeah, that reeks of a bad experience that his father had. He's like, oh yeah, you want to do that? How about if you uh, you come a preacher, you don't become a dirty loan shark like your uncle. <laughs> he's his dad was like a, a a mason, and he was like doing work for a church, and the priest never paid him. So he's like, yeah, you can become a priest if you fucking pay workers. If you pay me, you can pay me, and <laughs> you can, you can pay be a me. priest. Uh, priests owe me money. Give me money. So. He decides to the next year go to minor minor priest school. Yeah, so, not major priest not school. Ma- which is funny because he later went to major priest school. Um, <laughs> they should still do it that way. It shouldn't be called college. It should be major whatever you're studying school. No, I'm in major English school. Oh, my brother, yeah, he's in major chemistry school. Uh, but the funny thing is, when he was in minor seminary. His teachers found him to be way too lively to be a priest. They can't call it minor seminary anymore. <laughs> How did people not see the writing on the wall with the Catholics? Well, because it was in white. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. So, There's going to te- be a lot of that this week, folks. <laughs> he went to Catholic school for a long time. I did. For like 13 years. <laughs> he's just going to work it all out today while we make fun of the Pope. So his teachers were like, he's way too lively. He's way too into this. He's too high energy to be a priest. And he That's was such just a like weird idea to be like you could carry the gospel of the Lord, but you're just such a spaz, man. It, this guy cares too much. Yeah. Um, so he goes through minor seminary, and he gets old enough to go to major seminary, where you actually become a priest. Like you said, gets old enough, like a goal he achieved. Yeah, because I did it. He, well, I mean, he came home with a basket of old enough. He's like, I got it. I got old enough. I got old enough. I got fifteen old enoughs. I can go to major seminary now. I upgraded. So. And he's going not religious people. He goes to major seminary, and he uh, attempts to join the Jesuits. Okay. But the rector, the guys that in charge of the major the seminary. Rector yep. The major seminary? Uh-huh. Uh. Um, he was like, no, man, I'm not going to let you join. He didn't give a reason. He didn't. He was just like. He wasn't cute enough. <laughs> no, nah, man, you're too old. Uh, so. He finally becomes oh, you a got priest. 15 old enoughs? No, I'm more like a 13 old enoughs kind of guy. Man. Anyway, so if you're just joining us and you're not pissed off, um, <laughs> he becomes a priest and he actually cares about people. So he is putting he sides together. with labor. He sides with labor. He put together these clinics that he hosted that helped with like uh, marriage counseling and family counseling and financial aid and teaching families how to be better with money because at the time this is around the 40s and Italy wasn't doing too great financially around that time. It's true. Uh, I don't know if you guys are 
up to date on your world history, Wasn't but that a great time for Italy. They I were that's when Italy died, right? That's when yeah. Italy went extinct. They were on a side that really people didn't like them anymore, and so they were having a bunch of financial struggles. So he helped with that. Fucking fascists. He was seen as a very uh, warm and open-minded and compassionate person who actually cared about people and helped people. He was like, I don't care about what people have done. I care about who people are. And so for the time, I have to say, I say for the time, he was a very open-minded person. I mean, if you compare it to now, he had some views that were not super open-minded, but... Yeah, but the Pope now people hate because he's like, all dogs go to heaven, being gay is sick. Yeah. I mean, I agree with this Pope. I'm not Catholic, but he seems cool. We were joking uh, before we were recording that the reason people are so up in arms about that is there are people that haven't had dogs and have been in the closet their whole lives that are like, I gotta live this holy life, man. And the Pope's like, hey, being gay is cool and dogs go to heaven. And he's like, fuck you, dude. Come on. I have lived a miserable life. I am a miserable 44 years old. I could have spent 30 years sucking, fucking, and walking dogs. Anyways, In that order. That's our screenplay. Um, <laughs> so fucking and walking dog. He makes his way up the uh, religious ladder, if you will. He's a priest. He's a bishop. And then he's sucking. He's fucking. He's, he's sucking. He's fucking. Dog. He's walking dogs. And then finally, he becomes a colonel. Uh, not a colonel. You're a colonel. <laughs> I'm a colonel. I did not suck and fuck. God, I wish it would have been that easy. A cardinal. Ah. Uh, and those are the next in line to be pope. The way uh, the palpacy works. Birds? Yes, uh, all of those red birds can have the potential to become a pope. That should be the conspiracy. <laughs> it's not that birds aren't real. It's that cardinals are religious drones. <laughs> it's right there in the name. Again, Catholics are very obvious about this stuff. Minor seminary. So he's erection. a... I can't believe we got a guy who's just called erection. Rector? Whatever. Isn't, that, rector. isn't that part called the rectory, too? Yes. How's that not like a joke name for a boner factory? Or Come like on a down to the rectum. <laughs> yeah, the rectum. Yes, absolutely. Yes, rectum. <laughs> and uh, you also, I believe, in the rector or the rectory, you keep the uh, body and blood of Christ, like the bread and wine, and so you keep them in your rectum. Um, it's right in the colon. Or no, that's a tabernacle. Never mind. <laughs> the tackle box. The tackle box of the of God. So he's a cardinal, and people really like him. They're like, "Hey, you do great stuff for people." He visited Brazil and met with a bunch of people from a clergy uh, clergy in Brazil, and they're like, "This is an amazing guy. He really helped us." He again, if anybody understands the relationship between Brazil, Argentina, and Italy, especially post nineteen forty five, in nineteen seventy six, he was given a gold cross and a gold chain by Pope John uh, the thirteenth. Damn. And he was like, this is a gift from me to you. Johnny one you're, you're really helping out the community. You deserve this. And he's like, thank you so much. And then immediately turned around and sold it and gave the money to disabled children. See, but that alone, while a very kind move, that kind of feels like that would get him some shit. Did he get in trouble for that? Uh, he didn't. He didn't. But he urged fellow priests in Venice to sell their valuables to also help disabled children. And a lot of people were like, no. Um, we kind of like our lavish lifestyle. And he's like, no, but you should live simply and humbly and help the people around you. You know, like Jesus. And they're like, no, we kind of like our lifestyle. But he's getting more and more popularity. And around this time, the Pope before him uh, passes away. So they're about to elect a new Pope. 
And everyone's like, hey, dude, I think you're a shoe in for being the new pope. And he's like, you know, I They're just I, saying that to get him to walk his dog. <laughs> hey, listen, I know you're a little busy. Dog would love to go for a walk. But for what it's worth, I really think you'd make a good pope. You'd be a really good pope. Uh, he did not want to be pope. He was well, like, nobody wants to be pope. I mean, I guess uh, I guess people probably wanted. There's going to be a bunch of fiery comments about, I want to <laughs> be pope. Uh, but I mean, that doesn't. that's a lot of pressure, I guess. It's just like that's a big-ass job, especially for a guy who, through his practice of religion thus far, has shown himself to be a pretty selfless, like, actual Christian guy. Mm-hmm. So the, I don't know that Jesus would want to be pope, I guess is what I'm saying. Again, here come the comments, but I don't think Jesus would want to be pope. No, uh, and so he was like, you know, I'd be super flattered, but I think I'd turn it down. on that golden throne with all the rings and shit? Like, I don't know, man. I don't think that's him. I don't know. You guys haven't read that uh, one issue of JoJo where Jesus shows up, which is a true thing. Uh, There's theories that Jesus was the first JoJo. (laughs) Well, he did have a stand. He did. Uh, (laughs) A last stand at that. The Holy Ghost was his stand. But they'd have to rename it in America because of trademark reasons. Anyway. Uh, Ghost the band. <laughs> Since all the stands are named after bands and music groups, Ghost was his. You know what be funny, too, is like I just imagine Jesus as Pope. Again, I really don't think Jesus would want to be Pope. Let us know in the comments if you think Jesus would want to be Pope. But I feel like him sitting on that throne, and they'd be like, oh, would you like us to get you the Holy Grail? And he's like, oh, yeah, that would be really nice. Can you give me some water? And they come back with like some giant fucking cup, and he's like, oh, no, it's the shitty little wood one. It's the <laughs> shitty little wood one. Have you never seen Indiana Jones? <laughs> also, to be fair, to Jesus, every cup is a holy grail. <laughs> That's true. Like, as soon as he touches it. Yeah. He's also always drunk. He's like, can you get me a water? And they're like, yeah, no problem. He's like, fuck, it's red wine again. <laughs> so, uh, Pope Paul VI dies on August 6, 1978, uh, ending, a, ending his 15-year reign as Pope. Yeah, what is the shelf life on a pope? Uh, just however long they live. It's yeah. however they, however long they get uh, from being elected to when they fucking bite the dust. Yeah, but... Uh, the, There's no term limits. What's that? There's that young pope show uh, that's really weird and overly sexual. Oh, feels, uh, the young pope? Yeah, it feels like a hitman <laughs> mission. Yeah. Uh, but there have never been any young popes. I wonder... You've got to at least be like 60 before you're pope. I, I, you have to make your way like up... Like I said, the, you the corporate ladder, fuck and you know, walk those dogs. you got to suck, fucking walk the dogs. It's crazy to think they're still sucking and fucking at 55. Good for them. <laughs> you know, I mean, older gay men. Yeah, that's true. Gay men. I was thinking more like a really sassy type of alligator. <laughs> a gay man? Yeah. <laughs> Instead of a caiman? So long nose. Great fashion sense. Best episode yet this year. <laughs> uh, pope Paul the VI dies. Also, I want to talk about the naming of popes because it's hilarious because you get like <laughs> I'm pope, John. No, I'm John. You get Pope John like one through fifteen, and it's like, guys, we gotta fucking pump the brakes on John. Let's go to Paul for a bit. Yeah, <laughs> and then they get Pope Pauls for a bit, and they're like, fuck, we're out of Johns and Pauls. What if we did John Paul? Do you think they'd get mad if there was like a Pope Chris? <laughs> Sub guys, name's Pope Jerry. Um, I mean, we're at what Pope Francis right now? Yeah. Pope Francis the first. Pope Frankie. Pope Frank. <laughs> Sub guys, Pope Frank. <laughs> I want to see in like a hundred years. It's like uh, now is uh, a transmission from Vatican City. Sup, guys? It's Pope Chet. How you guys doing? Pope Chet the thirty <laughs> second. So, I mean, if Pope Chet happened, they'd need to keep it going. It's always White Boy Summer at the Vatican. Always White Boy Summer at the Vatican. I mean, everything's a beachfront view. Um, 
covered in water. So Pope Paul VI dies, and they immediately all get uh, summoned to do the gathering where they decide who's going to be of the jugglers. I've been to that. <laughs> to decide who's going to be the next uh, pope. And a bunch of the cardinals are like, hey, dude. Family, family. <laughs> Family. They're throwing hatchets. They're drinking Fago. They're trying to the figure Cardinals out. The are like, who's going chicken hunting? <laughs> They're deciding who's going to be next pope. And everyone's I would like. I love the Catholic Church if they adopted more juggalo traditions. Instead of red <laughs> wine, it's just diet root beer Fago because it's the stickiest. <laughs> They're like, hey, dude, I really think you're going to be the new pope. And he's like, I really appreciate that. But um, I don't even think I'm allowed to be pope. <laughs> like, you have certain things. You have to be to be considered. Uh, it was palpable. just like a bad dude, and he was like, "Listen, I can't be pope. You so, can't. Listen, they I'm do a, a background check. I can't be pope. I'm a little bit of a dick bag, you know. I've got slicked some back hair, sloppy steaks at Luffy's. I like the idea that he got open warrants in Vatican City, living for New Year's Eve, <laughs> but working for the weekend. So they're gathering around. They're like, "Hey, man." We really think you're going to become the next pope. And he's like, you know, I don't even think I can become pope. I don't really want to be pope. If you guys elect me pope, I'm going to turn it down. So they do their whole survivor ceremony. Nope. More like nope. I mean, there's a ghost up here. More like nope, am I right? So they all do the survival uh, survivor ceremony where they write the names down of who Jeff they want Probst to become pope. reads off the name of the new pope, and then they put him in an incinerator, <laughs> and the gray smoke comes out, and they go, we've got a pope! And so they start reading the ballots, and on the fourth ballot, Luciani is elected pope. Just a clean sweep. He, everyone is like, hey man, you're pope now. And he's like, I don't want to be pope. But everyone was just kind of there and cheering him on and excited, and he's like, Fuck it, fine. I'm well, the Pope now, I guess. he's such a nice guy, too. Yeah. You know, he's probably like, no, I want to do good, pious work. And <clears throat> I will get into it when we talk about the theories of who may have harmed him. But I think that he could see that being Pope not only would put a target on his back, but would also put him in a position to not really be. This is a dude who, like, would go and feed people. You know, he, he cared with people with his hands. Mm-hmm. Becoming the Pope, you're basically removed from the people. That's why I don't think Jesus would want to be a Pope because he doesn't, the Pope makes decrees and, you know, meets people and shit, but he's not out there doing the work. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know, I feel like Albino Pubes, uh, Albini, what, what's his full name? Albini Luciani. Albini Luciani. It just doesn't strike me as the type of person that wanted to get off the streets. I think I don't think he was ready to be benched. He he didn't, and so that's where he got in a little bit more trouble. Is once he got elected pope, he was like, "All right, I'm going to change things with the palpacy." <laughs> the first thing is he decided I am going to do a six point plan. As Pope, this is my six-point plan. With like a chart and a stick. And he was like, this is my PowerPoint. I hope everybody's comfortable. It's going to take about four hours. Uh, this was his six-point plan. He said, to renew the church through the policies implemented by Vatican II. Vatican uh, II? Is this like Earth II? Oh, shit. I didn't know that Terry was going to be in this episode. It's the new wave of the Vatican, baby. Temple OS. See, I knew it was tied to the Catholic Church. 4chan was right. Uh, second, to revise canon law. Third, to remind the church of its duty to preach the gospel. Ooh, that's a real shots fired. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, those crosses, we need to give them away. Four, to promote church unity without watering down the doctrine. Ooh. So he's just coming, shots fired. Five, to promote dialogue. 
And six, to encourage world peace and social justice. Which I'm not sure the Catholic Church is interested in a single one of those things. No, not anymore. <laughs> yeah. uh, he also wanted to... Not anymore. These are the people <coughs> who marched across the countries just slaying people for not being made out of gold. Yeah, but they did it in the hopes to encourage dialogue, you know? <laughs> hey, we, we've got this made-up story, and we really want to talk to you about it. It means a lot to us. Are you cool with that? No, okay, we're going to take... All of the women and children were also going to kill you, and then if you don't adopt all our habits, eh, fuck yourself. Speaking of which, he wanted to humanize the papacy as well. <laughs> uh, he was the first um, ever pope. He was the first pope to ditch the royal we nice. and use the singular I. He's like, okay, guys, I got to be honest with you. This is awkward as fuck. It's I'm, confusing. Yeah, I, yeah. what if that's all that it was? <laughs> it wasn't. He wasn't very humble. He was just like, I'm going to be honest with you. I get it mixed up a lot. I got to talk like I learned. He also was like, Hey, um, when I got elected, they're like, are you ready for your coronation? And he goes, absolutely not. They're like, what do you mean? He goes, I don't want you guys to put a fucking crown on me. It's like, that's weird. I'm just supposed to be like the figurehead of the church, not a king. Again, do you think he just had a picture of Jesus and he's like, do you see a crown? Do you well, see a crown? And they're like, yeah, it's made of thorns. It's right there, dude. Um, <laughs> yeah, his enemies put that on him. <laughs> so he was like, I do not want... A coronation. And they're like, well, you have to have something. And he's like, fine. Um, when I get inaugurated, just give me the hat. Just give me the hat that I already have to wear. I think, yeah, I think there was probably a conversation that went a little bit like, I'm not doing any of this shit. I'm going to wear my sweats. I'm going to do my regular church shit. I don't care that you want me to be Pope. I'm going to feed people and I'm going to be out every day. And they're like, no, you're not. Um, we're going to put you in the stupid little outfit. We're going to do the stupid little ceremony. And if you don't do that, we're going to fucking kill you. And he was like, how about the hat? I'll wear the hat. Is that a fair compromise? And he's like, all right, get me in front of people. I want to talk to people. I want to help people. He's in his hat, but also his sweats. He's got like pasta covered shirt. He's like, my people. And he's got the fucking hat on. He's like, I want to meet people. I want to see people. I want to talk to people, help people with their problems. And they're like, cool, go sit in the big golden red velvet throne. And he's like, no, I'm not using that. And they're like, oh, that's uh, also not up for negotiation. You have to use that. And he's like, all right, I'll use it. But I'll be sure I'm the last pope to use it. And he was. Do you think that's because he farted in it all day, every day? He was like, oh, I'm just going to rip ass. They just couldn't get the stains out of it. Yeah. Um, he had a, the gastrointestinal strength that Stephanie Amato does not have. So he. He's the farts in a jar girl. See, we're current. He just is like, I'm changing all this stuff. I actually want to help people. I'm going to do a lot as pope. And he realized that the state of the world around him was just kind of going to shit. And the night of his death, he even knew that uh, several young neo-fascists had fired upon a group of young people reading the communist newspaper outside of one of the party's offices in Rome. And when one person was killed from it, one young boy was killed from it, another one was seriously injured. When this news was brought to him, he was like, I don't even know what to do anymore. Even the young are killing each other. And he yeah. was like, just super distraught about it. And he was like, I'm going to go to my room. I'm going to read my book. He was reading uh, The Imitation of Christ. He's like, I'm just going to go to my room, and I'll figure this stuff out tomorrow. Well, he never got to see tomorrow. He didn't. So that night, uh, while reading the book, he <clears throat> is presumed to have had a heart attack. However, as we mentioned at the beginning of this, we haven't even gotten to the CIA part yet. As we mentioned at the beginning of this, that's very likely not the case. Uh, first of all, when he was discovered, a couple things were missing from his body that he had on when he went to bed, which were his slippers and his glasses. 
And I know what you're saying. Well, wouldn't he have those when he went to bed? Yeah, uh, but he was sitting by his bedside when he when he passed. He still had a book in his hand and possibly one other piece of paper, which we'll get to in a moment. Um, and he was discovered. They decided, apparently, you don't give an autopsy to the Pope. It was the the claim at the time, right? Yeah. Because he did not receive an autopsy. I know everybody's like, well, if he was, if he had a heart attack or whatever, how do they not know? Why is it ambiguous? Well, uh, it's not because of the time. It's because popes don't get autopsies. So the formal cause of death has never been resolved. Um, that body was never cut open. They've never looked in there. They didn't see what was wrong. Uh, they just sort of got rid of him right away. But why don't you give a little bit more information on that? Yeah, so they go into his room and... One of the nuns that were supposed to check up on him in the morning were like, hey, it's time to wake up. Why aren't you up yet? And there was no response. There was no response. And she's like, this isn't a funny joke to play. Um, And no response. You think you'd do it on a regular basis? He'd be like, watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Ah! (laughs) So she sends another nun in there to wake him up. And she's like, hey, uh, is he up? And the other nun doesn't reply. And she's like, you know, I have heart issues. This isn't funny. And the other nurse just comes out and is just white in the face and is like, he's dead. And she's like, what do you mean he's dead? And she's like, he's his book is still there. His bedside lamp is still lit, but he's dead. Like, there's no way about it. He's clearly just gone. He's a dead man. So 33 days into his palpacy, dead in bed. Yep. Dead, book in hand in bed it's like a really bad doctor it's one of the racist doctor seuss books <laughs> oh all of them um <laughs> so a bunch of different theories come out after they discover that he's dead of course they're just like it's a heart attack yeah but again no uh, no autopsy was done they didn't actually you know there was no cause of death there was no toxicology report there was none of the stuff that in a true crime story you turn to to be like okay what's the next clue how did they die in this case, they went, we don't care, and we're not going to look into it because he's the Pope. He's dead. Let's just get a new one. They elected Pope John Paul II, and they just kind of went about their business. As if it was legitimately just a, a heart attack, and they just like immediately swept it under the rug. That causes a lot of alarm, of course. There was more of a fuss about the Pope that died before him than him. And obviously, in this day and age, it were, this is the 1970s. We're talking about the late 1970s. It's not... You know, sometimes we talk about cases from the 1870s. Yeah, forensic reports were terrible, but it was significantly better than it wasn't as good as it is now. But they could have done a they could have they could have seen if he had a heart attack. And yeah. the important thing about them being able to do an autopsy is that six days before he died, he saw his doctor, and his doctor not only said he was in good health, but said he was in great health. I would imagine that he's a pretty honest guy. For a guy to be in perfectly good health, he did take uh, he took blood pressure medication. But he didn't take anything else. And that blood pressure medication was not an indicator of a weak heart. It was just blood pressure medication. That couldn't have led to his death. He very rarely drank alcohol, really only for a church ceremony. He ate very well. He exercised. He sucked. He fucked. He walked dogs every day. He walked dogs. He didn't smoke. Yeah, he really was in great shape. So for him to just die at 65 of a heart attack like that was a pretty bitter pill to swallow to anybody who was familiar with his health. Um, and it's very unbelievable that that quickly he died. They also said that there was a possibility that he had mixed two of his uh, medications. The problem with that, as you previously just heard me say, he only had one medication. The medication that allegedly could have killed him was actually a heart medication for the previous Pope, mm-hmm. which seems like such a lazy cover-up that it screams conspiracy to me. Yeah. It's like when we talked about the Lubbock Lights, the UFOs in Texas, like one of the bigger cases of Project Blue Book, 
the reason that the men in black say like, oh, it was swamp gas is because that's what those guys tried to pull off with an entire city of people. Mm-hmm. They were like, no, nah, you didn't see it. And this feels very similar. Yeah. It's just very like you're seeing him murdered on the floor and someone's going, oh, no, no, that's God. God's killing him. You yeah. don't you don't see what's going on. It just reeks of uh, foul behavior. So on that note, who could have done it and why would they have done it? So there are a bunch of different theories. Uh, these theories have all been written about, and I'll give credit to the people that wrote about the theories. Uh, the first one we have is David Yallop. David Yallop wrote a book in 1984 called In God's Name, where he proposed the theory that the Pope had been in, quote, potential danger because of the corruption of the Vatican Bank. Well, so there was a very large Vatican Bank scandal, which I'll let you get into in a moment, mm-hmm. uh, that involved a number of people that also would meet a mysterious end, which we'll get to in just a moment. But why don't you tell them exactly what happened and how the Vatican and the Pope were involved? So the Vatican Bank had a bunch of shares in Banco Ambrosiano. Banco Ambrosiano, as you said, later in the 80s, in 82, got busted for being this huge scam. It was a huge uh, stockholder scam that lost the Vatican Bank a quarter of a billion dollars. And then come to find out, which we'll talk about here in a bit, they were funneling that money as well. Yep. Uh, well, And that's where the CIA comes Yes. But uh, the corruption was super real and... uh, has been known to involve the bank's head, who was a bishop, uh, Bishop Paul Marcinkus, which he's a big name that'll come up in all of these theories as well. Alongside Roberto Calvi, uh, he worked for Banco Ambrosiano. Calvi also was a member of P2. P2 was an illegal Italian Masonic lodge. Yep. At the time in Italy, because it's a Catholic nation, it was illegal to be a Mason. And to this day and age, uh, you still will get a lot of static if you want to join the Masons and you're a Catholic. You're going to have to have a very good reason. The long-standing conspiracy against JFK, which is going to kind of come up today because we're talking about the Catholic Church and we will talk about Barry Seal, who might have been involved in good old Uncle JFK's assassination. Uh you know, there was there's a, a conspiracy along with Joe Biden now that Catholic presidents are as rare as they are because they are closely tied to the Masonic cabal that controls the world. And it's America stopping them from, you know, it's real national treasure stealing the Constitution kind of shit. Calvi is the head of Banco Ambrosiano. Uh, Paul Marcinkus, Bishop Paul Marcinkus, is the head of the Vatican Bank, and they are working together. They have this corruption and no one needs to know about it. In their eyes, no one needs to know about it. And Yallop is talking about this because he said that I have a theory and I will donate every penny I make from this book discovering this theory if the Vatican helps me. And the Vatican gave him a cold shoulder. Well, yeah, of course they did. Of course they did. I mean, whether he's wrong or right, the Vatican is not going to want to be involved in this. His main theory, though, was when the Pope died, he was gripping a piece of paper that was later destroyed. But on that piece of paper had the names of high-ranking members of the Freemasons, of the Vatican itself, and of both banks that were in this corruption scandal and helping launder money for the mafia. And it would make sense in a sort of a fictional greater understanding. I say that because... To kill somebody over something like that always feels like something you read about in a, a book or see on a movie, but it doesn't really happen to real criminals, you know? I feel like a lot of my friends who were drug dealers for a long time would be dead by now if that stuff happened as mm-hmm. often as they say it does. Maybe I'm wrong. 
It is also believed that Bishop Paul Marcinkus was one of the names on that list, but he kind of went under the radar after Pope John Paul I died until Pope John Paul II came around and actually elected him pro-president of the Vatican City. The way the Vatican City works, it's its own uh, state nation, and the hierarchy is the Pope is in charge, underneath that is the Secretary of State, and underneath that is the pro-president. So that raises some red flags. Absolutely. The guy that supposedly has a name or a list of names, your name is on it, dies. The guy that takes over for him then elects you to be third in charge of this entire country. Yeah, and we'll also talk about John Paul II, who he was before he became Pope, because his ties are closer to the CIA side of this story. So it's like a big move to go after the Pope, a yeah. big move to go after the Pope. And you're thinking, well, would these people really do that? Well, so here's the deal. That trial, <clears throat> fast forward to that corruption trial. So at this point, Pope's dead, but to give you a greater context as to could these people have, could there have been a responsible party for his death and it not being a heart attack? Yeah, and here's a really good example. So the prosecutor in that case, in the corruption case, was stopped at a red light in Paris and five gunmen got out and shot him with machine guns in his car. Then, in 1982, Roberto Calvi was found hanging under a bridge in Italy. If you don't think whoever was behind this wasn't willing to eliminate whoever they had to, I think that the likelihood that there is somebody that killed him is very high. Now, was it Marcinkus and an involved group in the Vatican? Possibly. Or... Was it a CIA operation? And if it was, how is it a CIA operation? Well, we know for a fact that this corruption happened. There's mm -hmm. no question about this. People went to jail for it. And as I mentioned, the, well, some did. The prosecutor in the big case was murdered before it could come to trial. So that didn't happen. Uh, but this did happen. It provably happened. This isn't a conspiracy in thought alone. So what was that money for and where was it going if they needed all this extra money off the radar? And that's where the CIA comes in because yes. that money was more than likely going to the Contras. Yeah, so there are six major names in this theory. Three of them are archbishops and three of them are mafia types. So and the, one of those archbishops was a confirmed CIA asset. Yes, so the three archbishops are Marcinkus, uh, Violette, and Cody. Cody... John Cody is a man who you're going to want to get to know. John Cody is a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, John Cody was a piece of shit. So, to talk a little bit more about Cody is... Many believe that he was a CIA operative. And it's almost been completely confirmed that he was. I mean, he said he was a CIA yeah. operative. But he was a piece of shit, so he could have been lying. But based on the travels that he had, also there are CIA ties to the Archdiocese in New York as well. And... If we want to get way too far down the really sticky rabbit hole, we can start talking about the Catholic Church and the CIA and how they've worked together on a number of things. And we will, again, probably wind up at the Warren Commission talking about JFK, but that's okay because one of the people that we're going to also talk about during this is Barry Seal. Now, we said that Barry Seal, so Barry Seal, there's a chance that he was in Dallas the day the JFK was shot. Mm -hmm. He was an airman and he was on a flight in Dallas that day. He also worked for the CIA and worked for the DEA, uh, and he was a very capable pilot, but he was a very capable lots of things, and he got himself in a lot of trouble. And I bring that up because if the CIA had something to do with this, you would need somebody who could get in and out of a country very quickly to do so. I know. I'm sort of stretching, but that's the fun of this show. Before we get to that, though, I'll let Caleb get back to a little bit more of how the CIA would have been tied with the Contras. Because for those who are unfamiliar, again, if you want to go back and watch the Barry Seal episode, he was the one... 
once the DA felt that he wasn't doing enough for them, they had purchased him an airfield in Arkansas, and he was flying Contras up to be trained at his airfield, along with the weapons for them. So, just in case there's some context left out there, Barry Seal directly dealt with the Contras, who were probably getting money from the church, but I'll let you get into that. So, in September of 1978, uh, there was this growing likelihood that people believed that uh, President Carter was going to cut off funds to uh, Samosa. And the CIA was afraid that if he did that, uh, Nicaragua would fall to um, communism and we'd have a bunch of mini Cubas pop up. And they were terrified of that happening in Central America. So what this theory suggests is CIA agent, Archbishop of Chicago, Cardinal John Cody, was kind of planted in there as part of this uh, operation to leave people in high positions so the CIA could kind of have watch over everything. Yeah, it's actually a policy that started after World War II, and it's uh, no, it was originally done in Italy after the fascist occupation, uh, and it was known as Operation Gladio, and it was an operation between the CIA and NATO. Like, this is not even a classified thing. It's a thing that they work together on. But yeah, it's, it's a shadow government idea. The idea is, you know, all those, as you said, all those South American conflicts that we talk about where it's like, oh, they, they put up a prop, a leader or whatever. That's what this is. That's what a that's what a gladio operation is. It's you come in, you insert a prop government that you have a lot of control over, and you allow them to control the government because then at any time you can get them to do your bidding. And Cody was a part of that. So, as was John Paul II. With the trial that happens in 1982 with the Banco Ambrosiano case, there's some documents that pop up that raise some red flags. One of them is travel logs of Cody going to Krakow to visit the Polish cardinal there. That Polish cardinal would later become Pope John Paul II. He would go and visit John Paul II before he was Pope. Uh, for uh, what reason? Well, none. There's no stated reason. He was just going to visit the Pope. He needed to visit. Apparently, Chicago was really in need of advisory from the big man. Yeah, uh, so the Archbishop of Chicago was what like... What if he wasn't a CIA agent and the, he like was just trying to get a, a meeting with John Paul II and he was like, come on, man. And he was just like, no, get the fuck out of here. Or what if it's like a Brokeback Mountain situation and he just couldn't quit it? They're sucking and fucking. They're sucking and fucking. They forgot to walk the dog. So uh, some other documents that came out were the first transaction that took place in October 22nd of 1978, six days after John Paul II took office... And that was one of these transactions of funneling money to the Contras. Uh, another document that came out was September 15th, 1978, midway through John Paul I's palpacy. And that's when an investor was contacted to help them funnel money. And last but not least, the last transaction in 1981, when Banco Mbranciano was actually caught funneling hundreds of million dollars through the Vatican Bank to Nicaragua and Panama. Yep. So they were directly funding these weapons. Now, if they're directly funding the Contras, that means that at some point, Barry Seal is touching their money. Mm -hmm. Now, if Barry Seal is for sale, and the CIA knows that, and they need somebody to take care of the Pope, do you think there's a chance that Barry Seal killed the Pope? There could be a chance if someone didn't come forward in their own book that they wrote and say... Oh, yeah, no, I killed the Pope. All right, let's hear it. So a uh, man by the name of Anthony Raimondi, he wrote a book. Man, <laughs> oh, come on. That's a, that sounds like a Johnny Carson character. 
Uh, he wrote a book in 2019 called When the Bullet Hits the Bone. And in this book, he talks about himself. So Now I have that song stuck in my head. Thanks a lot. Anthony Raimondi, you might be asking, who is he? He's got a funny Italian name. Who is he? He's a made-up name. He's none other than the nephew of Lucky Luciano. Oh, shit. Yep. <laughs> like Dutch Schultz? Yes. So if you know about our Dutch Schultz episode, the, the hidden treasure of Dutch Schultz, which brings my own theory up, I wonder if Dutch Schultz's treasure, if you haven't watched the episode, you go, pause this right now, go watch it, it's see you in an hour. It's a lot of fun it's to killer. talk it's about. It's about a, a mobster's it's treasure. It's literally killer. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a story of a mobster and his treasure that is still lost upstate New York. Yes. Um, so, Lucky Luciano. What were you going to say about his treasure, though? You are going to say something about his treasure. Oh, yeah. Uh, do you think it came from the Vatican? Oh, like, is it Catholic gold? Yeah, is oh, it Catholic gold and so. jewels? I hope so. Is yeah. it money they collected to fix the ever-needing-fixed roof yeah, of so. every Catholic church? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's to fix the roof. Weird tangent. Something I saw a couple months ago. I had to go to a funeral at a Catholic church. Really weird. So, usually they have the collection plates, right? Yeah. When you walked into this church, they had like a little card reader that was standing straight up, didn't have any amount or anything like that, but it said, donate to the church, and you were just supposed to dip your credit card into it. It didn't say how much it took from you, nothing. You're just supposed to slide your credit card in there. I'm going to put one of those on the street. That is such a weird, dystopian, capitalist thing to see. Yeah, it's like clocking into church. <laughs> and they take $500. They just take 10% of your bank account. I'm surprised that's not a bit on the righteous gemstones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, the nephew of Lucky Luciano, uh, Anthony Raimondi, was like, in his own book, said, oh yeah, uh, no, my cousin asked me for help. Who's his cousin? Archbishop Paul Marcinkus. Ah, oh, damn, Paul Marcinkus comes back. So Paul Marcinkus, the, the archbishop who is known to be part of this big banking scandal, is also related to Lucky Luciano and gets his cousin to help him put Valium in the Pope's tea to knock him out before bedtime. Damn. And then go in and give him cyanide. Shit. Now, if you know anything about cyanide poisoning, it causes the person to take cyanide to inhibit extreme heart palpitations. Yeah, it looks like you have a heart attack. It looks like you have a heart attack. Yeah, it looks like you, have a, you exhibit all the symptoms of a heart attack. So, what he said was, John Paul uh, threatened to expose a massive stock fraud run by Vatican insiders, which we know is a thing that happened. It is a real thing that happened. That Paul Marcinkus was a part of. And so he's like, yeah, so uh, we just took care of them. Do you think these are the guys then who probably killed Calvi and the judge? Probably. Yeah. Well, there'd need to be four more of them to kill the judge. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but as we saw with, in the Dutch Schultz case as well, they had one of those guys hit, or they had two of those guys hit That's in true. their cars as well. That's true. Dutch Schultz was killed in his car by at Lucky, a red light. By Lucky Luciano. By Lucky Luciano. Yeah, well... Men well, hired yeah. by Luciano, but that's true. He was in. He that's right, and because he, he crawled into dude, it's such a, you guys gotta go watch that episode. He crawls into a bar afterwards and still orders a drink, shot the shit out of his car, and it's just it's a hell of a story. But you're right, they killed him the same way. So they also had a contingency plan. They, without saying as many words, were like, we kind of had Pope John Paul II as a fall guy, and if Pope John Paul the first 
did expose all of these people, we were going to kill him and also assassinate Pope John Paul II. That's interesting. Well, because, you know, John Paul II had friends with, you know, he was friends with Nixon and Ford. Like, he had been, like, a pretty prolific uh, figure long before. You know, Poland, obviously, post-World War II, lots of attention. Like, he was a very well-known guy. I, he just seemed like such, it almost, I'm formulating a conspiracy as I'm talking, which is why I'm staggering, but it kind of feels like once... They had John Paul the first, and we're like, okay, yeah, he's fine. But this John Paul the second guy would be a much better pope. We just missed the window on making him pope, and this guy's probably gonna die the same time. You know, these guys are the same age. We need to replace him with John Paul the second, mm-hmm. and they just axed him and brought in John Paul the second. So he even goes to say in his book, if they take the pope's body and do any type of testing, they will still find traces of the poison in the system. This is in 2019. Jeez. So. 40, almost 50 years, no, yeah, almost 50 years later, is like, yeah, we used enough cyanide to kill him that it'll still show up. Well, it should be in there. It's not like he'll digest it. Yeah. You know, but it would be, yeah, I I mean, I'm sure they'll never exhume the body. There's no way they'll allow that to happen. No. He's going to leave it as it is. His body is in the Vatican grottos. That's where uh, popes are laid to rest. Yeah. And so. It's right next to their hot tub. It's really weird. Yeah. uh, They'll probably never exhume his body, but. Yeah, this guy just straight up wrote a book in 2019. It was like, oh, no, me and my cousin killed the Pope. That Pope guy? Oh, that was us, yeah. So it raises so many questions of, like, you then have to go look at different people tied to this bank scandal. And one of the heavy hitters was Michelle Sindona. Yeah. And if you look at him, it makes the picture even more clear. Michelle Sindona, while he was known as the shark and was a big player and financial investor with Banco Ambrosiano and the Vatican Bank. He was also, drumroll, a Freemason. Ooh, there you go. Yep. He's a traitor. He was a sec- uh, part of a secret lodge of Freemasonry known as Propaganda Do, and he was also tied to the Sicilian Mafia, and that's how he also knew Lucky Luciano. So all of these things, you look at the people, you look at all the people that were outed and involved in this, you have Calvi, you have Sindona, you have Cody, you have uh, Marcinkus. They're all tied together. Absolutely. And, and Barry Seal. Don't you leave And Barry, Barry Seal. <laughs> and they're all tied to the mob pulling this off and the mob pulling this off because they're also connected to funneling money to Central America. Yeah, absolutely. And so the fact that to this day, the Vatican is still just like, Oh, yeah, no, he died of a heart attack 33 days into his presidency, or not presidency, palpacy, uh, six days after he got a full, clean bill of health. Yeah. It's like, astonishing. Yeah, that, sounds right. that sounds right. That's definitely what happened to him. Well, obviously, obviously it's not. We uh, we think maybe it was the Masons, maybe it was the CIA, but somebody killed him. Obviously, Lucky Luciano's cousin or nephew or whatever is like, well, I did it. It was me. We took care of it. So somebody did it. Uh, I don't think he died of a heart attack. You don't think he died of a heart attack. Mm. Uh, wh- whatever you guys think, leave uh, leave your thoughts in the comments. Obviously, leave us your theories. Let us know if you think we're wrong for full of shit. Maybe, you know, he just died in his sleep magically too. Just like, you know, Gwen Shamblin and Joe Laura definitely aren't also in South America making the most of the religious ties that have been there forever. That's but, the best we could come up with. Yeah, that's the best we could come up with. I'm sorry. And t- today, the best we could come up with is that that Pope is... Dead, somebody killed him, and I still think Barry Seal was involved. <laughs> Whether he was directly involved or indirectly involved, I feel like years from now, 
if everything was declassified, we would see that Barry Seal was involved in so much of it. Maybe he's like Jack Reacher. Maybe he's Jason Bourne. That's pretty Jesus cool. Christ! It's Jason Bourne. <laughs> he's uh, just this little pilot from Arkansas. The the one Louisiana. The one piece of information I'll leave to concrete my belief. My belief is that the mafia killed the Pope because they were so closely tied to funneling money to communist nations growing in Central America. Is uh, Michelle Sedona killed a lawyer that was trying to get him for malpractice in this uh, scandal? Shot him down, gunned him down, went to jail for it, and died in prison from being, drumroll, fatally poisoned. Oh, oh. So, we got a guy who was in charge of this thing, who then killed another guy by, I don't know, shooting him with machine guns in the middle of a city, tied to another guy who was part of this thing who, I don't know, Died getting machine gunned well, he in part also, of the city. Well, and he also died in, what, 86? Mm-hmm. So that's long after everybody else ate it. He could have been involved with Calvi. He could have been involved in all those murders. Yeah. yeah. So this, it, it definitely seems like there's one person in charge, and they were funneling all this money. Everyone along the way was just loose ends that got tied up. My big question is, why is the Catholic Church so pro-communist? Well, I... That's the funny thing is a lot of them are very vocally anti-communist. Yeah, so them funneling money is very interesting. Anyway, uh, yeah, leave your theories down below. Let us know what you think. Uh, We do have a riddle. It is riddle time. That's not going anywhere. Riddle time will never go anywhere. So uh, if you watch Tear and Review, our last episode of last season of last year. And if you have it, get real stoned and go watch it. It's very funny. It's very funny. I left you guys with this riddle. What is the next letter in this sequence? B, C, D, F, G, H. The next letter is J. It is J. I'm just listing the alphabet without uh, without vowels. Yeah, that was... I don't like to say sometimes your riddles were easy. That one was a pretty easy one. But they, they had four weeks to forget about it. So, they did. Yeah, they just figured it out again just now. And I hit my funny bone and I'm making fun of you. <laughs> I think I deserve that. That's instant karma. Yeah. Is that what that is? You're karmic <laughs> now. Okay. This riddle is how high would you have to count before oh. <laughs> you use the letter A in the English language spelling of a whole number? Oh. Oh, interesting. All right, yeah. Leave your uh, leave your answer in the comments. I don't. I won't have to bleep it out this time because I don't know it immediately. <laughs> uh, let us know what you think, and hopefully you enjoyed the show. Uh, we will be back next Friday, same time, same channel. We'll be talking about the same goofy mysteries and weird stuff in the world. We we'll hope you guys are well. We love you, and we'll see you then. Bye. 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 <laughs>